So we're going to finish up tonight in Colossians. We've been going through the book of Colossians this summer so far. And um, I love the book of Colossians. I've read it many, many times. Many, many times. And tonight, we're in Colossians chapter 4. And there's just a few things that I really wanted to drive through. I've been trying to go through it as best I can, verse by verse. But again, we have the limitations of time. You can get all of these messages if you go to strongdisciple.com. Strongdisciple.com. Then all 30 years my messages are there, and they'll go to your phone or your iPad or however you like to listen to them. But it's free, and it's very user-friendly, and they're there for your benefit to help you grow and learn. And so I'm going to start tonight in Colossians chapter 4, but verse 2. And I just want to cover uh, two or three very simple but very profound and important things that Paul covers. Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Don't forget to pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to preach about his secret plan, that Christ is also for you Gentiles. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who do not know Christ and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations with them be gracious and winsome, so that you will have the right answer for everyone. And I wanted to comment on these verses tonight and spend some time talking about them because they're extremely significant. They're extremely significant in your life. I'd like to read, first of all, uh, from a slightly different version. One of the things I would encourage you to do in your own walk with God as you read your Bible, which again, we've talked so many times about being daily in your Bible. There's all kinds of ways to do this. <laughs> I know you think I'm silly, and I know this is dumb, but I might as well just acknowledge one of the ways I do it every day is when I'm sitting in the bathroom, taking care of stuff that we all have to do. And every single day, I carry my little New Testament. I have two of them, leather-bound Berkeley Bibles that I recovered. And I take them and I read Psalms. I read Psalms. And then, then, then after my prayer time, which we'll get into the, the, tonight, then I, uh, after I do my stretches, then I grab my Bible, get in my car, and I leave. I leave my little office in the garage. That's where my office is, in the garage. And I go somewhere to get away from the phone. I leave the phone. Why well, don't I have a cell phone? But I have a cordless one. <laughs> but it won't go that far anyway. So I just leave it, leave the computer. I get away. I take my Bible. And I go sit sometimes at Kowalski Starbucks. I'm not really a Kowalski, uh, Starbucks fan, but Kowalski has comfortable seats for an old guy like me. Comfortable on my rear end. The wooden caribou seats are not. <laughs> sometimes, like this morning, I drive. I go to a park. And I just set my bag and my cup of coffee, and I stand and I walk back and forth as I read. Just like a lot of you do with your phones, I do with my Bible. I just read. I just read. I let the Word of God wash over my heart. Sometimes I know I need to get a fresh vision of God, so I go to Isaiah chapter 40. And I read about the greatness of God and who you compare to God. Sometimes I need encouragement from some promises, so I just go through some of the underlines I have of promises from God to get my perspective. But one of the things I would encourage you to do, for example, last week I received a wonderful email uh, from a, a young woman here named Melissa. I meant to bring it tonight. 
I will read it to you sometime. She gave me permission. But she said, you know, Mark, I've been going through a particular health trial. And as you've been going through Colossians, I just thought, well, I'm going to go through it myself at home. I'm so encouraged to hear that. I hope you've been reading along during the weeks you've been going through this. Because you will extrapolate more from it. You will get more out of it. But one of the things that I do is I read in my regular Bible, and then I'll go to offbeat versions. Like BibleGateway.com has about 40 different versions. This one is from the Amplified. Trustworthy, by the way. They're not like, oh, that would be a weird one. Be persistent and devoted to prayer. Be alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us too that God will open a door of opportunity for us for the word of God. The Phillips Bible says, always maintain the habit of prayer. The contemporary English version says, never give up praying. So I want to ask you for a moment, what is your prayer life like? You know what the word devote means? I'll tell you really interesting. I, I looked this up today. I thought, you know, we sometimes we just go through words really fast. But the word devote means to set aside specific time, to be committed to, to be absorbed with, to give a good quantity of time to. It's not like the Bible just says pray. Paul says devote yourself to prayer. In Ephesians, which is the sister letter to Colossians, he wrote them both from prison at the same time. Ephesians to Ephesus, Colossians to Colossae. He says at the end of the text that most of you are familiar with, when he says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. <clears throat> Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand in the day of evil. For we not at war against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and the powers and the dark forces of wickedness that are all around us. Then he goes on to describe the armor. When he's all done... And the part that really never gets talked about, he says, and keep on keeping on praying. Pray and pray and pray and pray some more. Pray for yourself, pray for others, and be alert at all times and keep praying. Wow. Bible, I don't know if you know this, but the Bible puts a huge emphasis on prayer. A huge emphasis on prayer. Just go to Bible Gateway, look up the NLT version, New Living, and type in pray and then click. And you'll see page after page come up with all the references of pray. Then type in the word prayer and look up all the times prayer is mentioned. But what is prayer? See, why does the Bible tell us this? Prayer is entreating God. It's communication with God. It's petitioning God. It is the living acknowledgement that we are dependent upon God. That we need God to work, that we need God to act, that we are walking in faith. If you're not a praying person, you are not a faith person. That's the truth. There's a lot of people, you know, they, so much of Christianity today with people is talk. It's talk. It's talk. Oh, I tell you, I could really get going. I, sometimes when I travel in this week, I was down in Ames speaking to college students, and so I stayed in the Viking Motel in Story City, Iowa. I stayed there because it was 12 miles away, and it was cheaper than anywhere else, and the guy let me come at 10 a.m. 
That's when I get up at 3 a.m. I said, I'll be there early. I'll stay at your motel in the condition that I can get in when I arrive. He said, no problem, sir. He's from India. <laughs> yeah, and I had a wonderful visit with him. We had a wonderful conversation. We really did. We, we sat out. He told me about his life. It was actually beautiful. Hard-working guy, he and his wife. And so, but, but when I go, I was down there speaking with these young people about prayer and how easy it is for us to just talk a talk but not walk it. The reality is, how much do you pray? I have to raise your hand, but I want you to examine your own situation and go, well, how much do I pray? I know we have some people in here who are really into physical fitness. Not everybody is, but... Um, it's, it's a good idea to get into being fit. You don't have to be a fanatic. You don't have to do PX90. But I made a determination years ago, Lord, that I will never, ever, ever give my body more attention and energy than I give to prayer. And we have Christians who will show up at the club religiously, working out, working their booty, working their body, working their abs, lifting their weights an hour a day but we don't work out our soul and we don't work out our spirit and we don't call it to God. I want you to know God is just waiting for you to talk to him, to beseech him, to demonstrate your dependence upon him because he wants to answer. He wants to respond. Prayer is the greatest privilege we have as a Christian. That we can go right in the, I was sharing this uh, I, I, with the group that I was in Ames with. There was a, a number of Chinese that were there that night. And it just, I just said this to them because I thought they could relate to this. I said, look, I could not get an audience with Jack Ma if I wanted to. Do you know who Jack Ma is? He owns Alibaba. And soon he will be richer than Bill Gates and all those other guys and Mark Zuckerberg included. I mean, Alibaba is going to be massive, far bigger than Amazon. And this guy, he just started and it's just taken off. If I wanted to talk to him, if I went ahead of a conversation, I couldn't get in, I couldn't pay. I don't have the money to pay to get an audience with him. But I can go to God, to the creator of all, the infinite resource, anytime, any place, anywhere we are, whoever we are. The youngest child in this room, the oldest person in this room, we have direct access to God because of Jesus Christ. And we can come boldly to the throne of God and receive grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. Over and over and over again, I am stunned. I was sharing this again with the young people there at some of the words the Lord uses about prayer. In Luke chapter 11 in the, in the, new, uh, in the Berkeley version, he says this. He tells them a story. There's a man and, he, and he, uh, he's asleep with his children and his wife. <clears throat> and a friend of his comes to the house at midnight, pounding on the door. Bartholomew! Bartholomew! Wake up! <laughs> what? What's midnight? Wake up! He opens up the window. What do you want? Oh, this guy, this friend of mine he visited, and I'll have nothing to feed him. Do you have some extra bread? Bread? It's midnight. I'm asleep with my kids. Leave. No, no, Bartholomew, come back! Come back, come back. One time, give you an example of this. <clears throat> I was, uh, my, my co-founder of Evergreen in these churches is Brent Knox. He's at Bloomington. But, but he and I um, started these together 30 years ago. 
And um, our, our kids are fairly close in age. I was married one year earlier, so my kids are just a little bit older. And um, he, he lived up in Minneapolis at the time, um, right along the river next to this little Baptist church in an old parsonage. So he, had, he and his wife had had us over for dinner. <clears throat> and uh, so we left, and we got onto the freeway, and we're headed down right through the heart of the city. We hadn't been here very long, and we got the biggest single rainstorm we have ever had in the history of this state. Listen, it was raining so hard, so much, I could barely see the road, and then the water began to rise. This is no lie. And you know those big concrete things in the middle of the road that they put cranes? They lifted up and they moved. They shifted. And I'm driving. I'm like, oh, my gosh. We, um, well, and pretty soon there was like a lake, and I wasn't about to drive through it on the highway. I'm like, I'm not. So I, I saw one of those ones that moved, and I crossed over and went back. I kept like, what are you doing? I said, we got to get out of here. <laughs> and it's just raining and it's thundering. I get to Brent's house and it's now, it's like 11 o'clock. All the lights are out. Then I think, I don't even know if, the, I think the power went out. And I am, I'm getting drenched and I do not like to get drenched. So you know this was serious. <clears throat> and I am pounding, pound, Brent, Brent. Yeah, we didn't have cell phones in those days. I wouldn't have had one anyway. But anyway, I'm pounding and I'm pounding. Finally, the neighbor lady, she hears me first. She goes, what are you doing out there? I said, we need help. We're stranded. So I keep pounding. Brent finally comes down. We spent the night there. That's what God expects us to be like with him. Did you know that? I'm not making that up. That's the analogy that Jesus himself uses about prayer. And he says, listen, though he will not get out of bed because he's his friend, I tell you, he will get up because of the brazen insistence of his friend. In other words, he's been an obnoxious moron and he's bugging me. And if I don't give him the bread, I'm not going to get any sleep. That's what it means. And Jesus said, Will not then my heavenly Father give good gifts to his children who call out to him day and night in a very similar fashion? You may wonder why your prayers don't get answered. That's why. Tenacity. Tenacity is what it takes to get our prayers answered. Now, you can wrangle with me. You go, well, Pastor Mark, what kind of a loving father is that? I mean, gee, many Christmas, you know, God already knows my needs. If he loves me so much, he just thought I'd give them. Listen, you're asking me to try to explain the deep, mysterious things of God. I'm just going with the program. <laughs> just quit arguing with God and get with the plan. And realize that, you know, another, another story Jesus said. I love this story. This story has profoundly impacted me. Jesus said, it starts out like this in Luke 18. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story so they would learn to pray and never give up. There was a widow in a certain town, and she was dealing with a big injustice, probably the injustice with someone trying to steal her land because she's a widow and defenseless, and she didn't have a way to defend herself. <clears throat> there was a judge in the city. He was a godless man. He feared neither God nor did he care about human beings. That's what the text says. This woman went to that judge and said, Judge, please give me justice. He said to her time and time, Woman, get out of here. I don't care about your case, and I'm not going to help you. <clears throat> and yet, 
Time and time and time again, she kept going back nagging and nagging. That's what the text says, depending on what version you read, but that's the direct implication. Finally, the judge said, oh, my gosh, this woman, this is, this is what Jesus said, is driving me crazy. And the only way I'm going to get her to shut up is give her what she wants. Learn a lesson from the judge and the widow, Jesus said. And will not my heavenly father <clears throat> give justice to his children who cry out to him in the same manner? That's why Paul says, devote yourself to prayer. That's why you see Paul over and over and over and over and over talk about prayer. So I was a young Christian, right? I mean, I'm a young Christian years ago. I'm still growing Christian. I'm not finished, by the way. In case you wondered if you thought, I wonder if Mark thinks he's finished. I'm not finished. But I was a very young Christian. I was 19 years of age. And I began to read my Bible, and God was stirring in my heart, and I can tell you, as God is my witness, I wanted God to use me. I wanted God to have free reign in my life. I wanted God to be able to use me for his purposes in this world. So I began to read my Bible. I began to realize that, that again, I'm being, always being very honest with you, there's no usefulness to God without self-discipline. I will be useless to God. I'm going to have to bring to my life, a little bit at a time, the same kind of Olympic discipline that the athletes who get to the Olympics bring to the games. And I'm going to have to be willing to do it in private, where nobody sees, where I'm not motivated by the praise of other people or the medals on my back, but because I love Jesus Christ. Now, I began to read biography after biography and biography of Christian men, and I began to realize that every single one of them had a profound prayer life. Prayer's not easy. I, actually, it's wonderful, but I'll get to that in a moment. But when you first begin, people think, what, what am I, what prayer? Let's go do something. I'll pray. Prayer is doing something. No, but we don't think that. I, what, is, what is prayer? And so, you know, prayer meetings don't get very well attended, and most Christians, the average Christian prays two minutes a day. So I began to realize as I read about great men of God, as I studied the life of Jesus and saw him at times all night in prayer or early in the morning before the sun was up praying, I realized, you know what, Lord? you got to change me. I need to become a man who is dependent upon God, which will be illustrated by the depth of my prayer life. It needs to grow. And so I got myself a stopwatch because I knew I'm just like the typical person. I lie to myself. Or we don't intend to. It just feels like, boy, I've prayed for, wow, um, I must have been out here an hour. And I looked at my watch and Five minutes, okay. Wow, okay. Well, you know, I think there's probably a lot more to pray about. So that's what I did. I decided, Lord, I'm going to start with 10 minutes. i got to learn to be faithful with a little thing because if you learn to be faithful in a little thing, you become faithful in much bigger things. And I challenge you, you want to succeed in your life, then start with little things and do it for a month. And when you get to a month and you've done it 30 days in a row, then add five more minutes. And when you've done that 30 days in a row, then try to... Double it. Faithfulness matters. And so I began with my 10 minutes. I now pray and have for years an hour every day. I have prayer walked around the entire planet Earth because when I pray, I walk. See, that's how I combine. I just decided, you know what? I'm giving God my time and my body at the same time. So I walk and I pray. I walk and I pray. I weigh one pound more than I did when I got married. 
37 years ago. And I prayed. And then, then I realized many years back, I need to start praying with my wife. Boy, that's hard. That's hard for husbands. I don't know why. It's, it's supernatural. It's the devil just tries to do everything he can to keep you from it. But she needs it. And I began to pray. And we started with a minute. A minute. Because, man, it was hard. I felt really weird. I don't know. I'd go pray by myself. Fine. But I pray with her. Jeez, this is weird. Probably 20 minutes. I've timed it before. It averages about 20 minutes every day. I deliberately don't have a radio in my car. I just, I just came across this. A guy sold me this phenomenal little 99 Honda Civic recently. He'd done all this work to it. It's actually the nicest little second car, car I've ever had for like uh, 1900 bucks. He just, his kid put a brand new amplifier in it, biggest speakers I've ever seen, not the, the kind that thump your house. And it has the little thing, you know, that comes off the radio. First thing I did, he goes, y y this is a cool radio. I said, nah, no thanks. I took it off. I took the cover off, put it in my garage, put it on a shelf. Why? Because my car and my sanctuary. I think in the car. When I drive, I think. I use my mind. I think about issues going on. I think about the word, and I pray. The other day when I'm driving to the court, I don't have my prayer walk, but you know, Lord, I got a three-hour drive down here to Ames. I'm just going to spend some time praying. And I'm just, some of it I just spent thanking the Lord. I, when I got to Ames, I did something I haven't done in years, a long time. I just went to all the old houses Kathy and I lived in. I went to the towers where I first proposed were in the field, and I walked on that same grass, tears welling up my eyes as I thought about, my goodness, Lord, my goodness, Lord Jesus. That was 40 years ago, and I'm on the same ground on the same grass and look back at what you've done. I walked some of the campuses where I used to do concerts and share the gospel with college students and wept when I thought about the hard times in that 10 years there and what God was trying to build into my life and I learned how to pray at the back of Brookside Park in Ames, Iowa in a stone shelter where all the druggies used to go but they were there at night. I would go there in the day and learn to pray for an hour. Walking around it Walk inside of it and pray. Brother and sister, listen. This is the most profound weapon you have. The most profound experience you can have is prayer. Prayer. I have a series I would love for you to hear called Why I Need Prayer to Live. And the same is true for you and I. It's our air. It's our life. And God wants to do things in your life. Prayer not only affects, you know, God, but it affects us. Learn to pray. Learn to pray. Begin to pray. You can pray about everything. Everything. You can tell God all your problems. I mean, I can show you passage after passage. And Lord, today I pour out my complaints to you. I pour out all the garbage. This is bothering me. I don't like this, Lord. I don't like that. I don't understand this, Lord. That's also what I do. That's also prayer. Communicating with God. Thank him. Thank him. What does it say? Be alert in prayer. Be watching for the answers. Stay mindful in your prayer. And always be thankful. Wow, we could just spend the whole rest of the night on being thankful, but we got to get to something else. Don't forget to pray for us too. Look at what Paul says now. Pray for us. Hey, Colossians, will you pray for us? Who's the us? Paul, Timothy, Epaphras, Tychicus, this little team, Luke, Dr. Luke, they were traveling evangelistic apostolic team. And they were trying to get the gospel out. Don't forget to pray for us too, that God will give us many opportunities to preach about his secret plan, that Christ is also for the rest of the world besides the Jews. 
That is why I'm in chains. Pray for me that when I preach it, I will proclaim it clearly and fearlessly. Then I wanted to get to this, and then we're going to close. Live wisely among those who are not Christians and make the most of every opportunity. Listen to these two versions I thought were really striking. I want to talk about our outreach, okay? I want to remind us that we are representatives of the Lord wherever we go, whatever we do. When you are with unbelievers, that's a non-Christian, always make good use of the time. Be pleasant and hold their interest when you speak the message. Choose your words carefully and be ready to give answers to anyone who asks questions. Are you interesting when you speak? I bet you've never thought of that before in your life, have you? Are you interesting? Are you engaging? Are you thoughtful? Are you pleasant? Listen to this version. This is the Amplified. Conduct yourself with wisdom in your interaction with outsiders, that is, non-Christians. Make the most of every opportunity, treating it as something precious. Let your speech at all times be gracious, seasoned with salt. I like this version. It says, be winsome, be pleasant, be engaging. You and I have so many opportunities. I wanted to just give you a quick thought here. You know, one of the reasons um, Juan is significant to me, we have some dear friends from India here tonight. We have some from China. We have some from Korea. Uh, and it touches me deeply. We are living right now in a time, and I, I won't get into it. If you want to ask me privately, I'll explain to you my views on all this. But we're living in a time right now in the country where there is um, a, an awful lot of anti-immigrant sentiment. Some of it has to do simply with, hey, we need to enforce our borders. Some of it has to do with just people's meanness and prejudice. I want to tell you, for us as believers, let us never forget that these are precious people God made and that Jesus Christ died for. And you and I, I tell the Lord this every morning, and I sincerely mean it. I did not deserve to have been born in this country. I did not deserve. We are, our nation makes up 4% of the world's population. And yet almost 80% of the wealth of the world is here. I don't deserve that any more than I deserve Jesus Christ. And we need to think, brothers and sisters, how can I make the most of each opportunity? Give me an example. The other day, I went to Walmart. Walmart, where Scotty works. Scotty, our guy at the soundboard, he works at the Walmart off of 35 and Cliff in Burnsville. They hire a lot of Muslims there, a lot of Somalis. And at least when I go in there early, I go in there early. So they usually take the night shifts. <clears throat> And the other day, I went in, and um, there was a young woman waiting on me with her, um, not the full burk on, but she had her headscarf on. Her, her name, I believe, was Benita, or Binto. So I engaged her as we were going through, and, and I could tell it, it made a difference to her. I just said, well, is it Benito? She said, yes. I said, where are you from? She said, Kenya. I said, near Nairobi. She said, not far. I said, well, I have friends in Nairobi. I said, how long have you been here? She said, well, I've been here three years. I said, well, welcome to the U.S. 
And she kind of lit up. She was, I could tell she was surprised to hear me say that. I said, are you enjoying it so far? She said, I, I, I love America. I love being here. I said, well, I can tell you, I know a little bit about your country. I'm very thankful that you're safe here because it's a very dangerous place right now, isn't it? She said, it, it is, and, and you understand that. I walked out. I was walking out to my car, and there was a tall gentleman, older gentleman, black man. I'm sure he was from Somali by the way he talked to me. But anyway, I'm just pushing my car. I saw him. I said, good morning. He nodded to me, and I pushed my car, and I turned around, and he was like almost right on me. And, and, and he, he was, wanted to take my card. And I said, well, well thank you. He goes, you, you, you very nice man. You very nice man. I just sat in my car and I cried. I mean, what, what does it take, people? What does it take for us to smile, to say hi, to be kind, to be thoughtful? I was in Aldi one day. And all the Aldi I go to is right next to the Burnsville Mosque. And, and I was in the line, and uh, I, I love Aldi for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons they keep the prices low is you usually have to stand in the line, and I'm not a fan of lines. I love the self-checkout at Walmart, which I always use. Bam, bam, I can go faster than the checkers. And, and um, so I'm standing in the line, and, and there's a woman, this time in the full burqa, not the metal mask, but, uh, you know, the veil and her long gown. And... She's got a lot of food, and she's buying it, and I could tell she's watching close, and then there's a bunch left, and she sort of said, stop, and the guy stopped, and I could tell what was going on was she didn't have any more money, so there's a long line behind me, and, and I could tell it was, she couldn't speak real clearly, and I just said to the guy, I said, hey, wait, wait a minute, wait, I said, I knew the guy, I'd been in there before, so I called him by his name, I said, look, I got a few things here, just add hers to mine, just put it together, and I'll pay for it. And he looks at me and goes, oh, what? I said, yeah, just put it on mine. And then I'll, you know, just give it to her right now as you bet it, but at, just make it my bill. And she looked at me like, where did, where did you just come from? You're white. You're American. The Twin Towers were just bombed recently. Who are you? Who am I? I'm God's representative. That's who I am. That's who I am. I walked into Trader Joe's one day. There's a guy there from Ireland. Jerry is his name, and we talk. And one morning, it, it was in the morning. There wasn't many people in there, and uh, there was a few people. In. He said, Mark, how are you today? I said, you know, I said, I'm just, it's, I said, Jerry, God has been very good to me. Just ever, I said, God has been very good to me. I, he's just been very good to me. And he just looked at me like, he didn't know what to say. I said, I bet you never heard anybody say that, have you? He said, uh, I haven't. And so he's been very good to you too, Jerry. You know, there's so many ways that we can learn to just represent the Lord and let our, let our mouth be seasoned with grace, with salt, and be kind. And often it just opens amazing doors. We have to close. i got to pray. Uh, come back next week because we're going to look at some different scriptures next week. This summer, I'm just trying to focus on taking you through different passages of the scripture in the Bible. So next week, we'll get into some new things, not the book of Colossians. Father, thank you tonight for your goodness, Lord. I'm reminded, Lord, of your kindness to the woman at the well. Here's this woman who was a harlot who'd slept with many men. And you engaged her in a conversation, and the disciples were stunned when they came that you were talking to her. I pray, Lord God, that you make us like your son. 
Lord, I pray that you do two things this summer, the rest of this year. Make us people who pray. Make us people who train ourselves to pray. Help us become faithful with 10 minutes. Help us be faithful to take a 10-minute prayer walk, Lord, whether it's our garage, our basement, or our block, or a park, or the hallway where we work. I've done it everywhere. <laughs> I've done it at airports in empty sections of the airport. Help us, Lord, to be people who are winsome and make the most of our opportunities when we're around at our job or in the classroom or getting gas or in the grocery store with outsiders, with those who have not yet come to know Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.